Welcome to Catterday Checkdown. My name is Jordan Mathis on a special episode. Um, today, we are here with the rest of the staff of Cats coverage here. Well, most of our guys here with Braden Neves, uh, Jacob Childers, Matt Sack, and Trace Terrell. Uh, Braden and Jacob are normal uh, co-hosts, but Sack and Trace, how y'all doing? I'm doing fantastic. I think the last time I was on this podcast was for this exact type of episode. Um, I predicted us to go 12-0, and 0, and I was just five games off. And I might have a similar prediction this time around, and hopefully we're closer this time around. So we'll see. Well, I'm excited to be here with you fine gentlemen. Uh, you know, my knowledge of football – doesn't go as far, but I'm excited to be on here. I'm honored to be on here with the Catterday Checkdown boys, and um, I'm ready to get into the season predictions. Yes, sir, absolutely. Um, Braden and Jacob, I just talked to you guys a couple weeks ago, but uh, how have your guys' lives been outside? Anything interesting happen? No. Yeah, I was about to say, not a whole lot going on. <laughs> I hear that, man. Hey, we're we're kind of at the point where we're just waiting for things to happen. Um, fall ball has has um, I guess summer ball has has finally peaked and, and and it's over. But as we look on, we're I think everybody in the Big Blue Nation right now is excited for what's going on um, in these next couple of weeks with Kentucky football. Everybody's just dying for a good season for something, right? I mean, basketball didn't really have a great year last year. Football didn't really have a, have, a, have a great year last year. And so we're finally to the point where we're like, okay, um, we can be confident about a team being good. I know that schedule is a, a little bit rough, and we're about to get into it and dive, dive into the meat and potatoes of it. But, but, but I'm ready. How about you guys? Um, I'm so excited to get started this year. I think last year left a bad taste in everyone's mouths. Uh, you know, like the preseason expectations, uh, being ranked preseason top 20. And now this year, we kind of get to kind of go back to what we're used to, right? Uh, Mark Stoops is used to having a team that's kind of forgotten about, you know, picked to finish uh, fourth in the SEC East. And uh, I think if uh, you were to get Coach Stoops to uh, tell the truth, he would say that this is ex exactly where he wants to be. He likes to be the team that's forgotten about and then go out and prove the rest of the country wrong. So um, while the preseason expectations may not be as ramped up as they were last year, uh, I think uh, here at home in Kentucky, there is uh, as much, if not a little more, excitement about this year's team than there was last year. So I'm excited and ready to get going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, kick things off. We are, what is it? Um, gosh, I don't even know. What, 16 days from kickoff? Probably by the time this, this episode drops, it'll be 15 days. Because I am definitely going to sleep after this. But Ball State kicks off at noon at Kroger Field. Guys, we'll, we'll start with you, Jacob, this time. What, what have you seen from Ball State? Um, what, what's your prediction going on going on for this game? Well, Ball State, um, overall, th they're kind of lacking depth, you know, all around the roster. Um, they lost quite a few players last year. Um, but one guy that we really need to keep an eye on is uh, Kent State transfer running back Marquez Cooper. Um, I mean, the guy's a, a freak athlete, and he rushed for nearly 2,500 yards and 25 touchdowns at Kent State. Um, they bring him in to kind of be the lifeline of the offense. So, the Kentucky should cruise in this one, but I wouldn't be surprised to see 
you know, Cooper give us, give the defense a little bit of a, a workout. Right. Uh, all right. Braden, Braden, how about you? Yeah. Um, so to be honest, I don't really see, um, a, one of those, uh, possible upset, uh, games in our, um, in our non I mean, of course there's Louisville, but, uh, as far as this game goes, I don't see any sort of uh, potential upset. Uh, kind of what we did see with Miami of Ohio last year. That was a quality uh, MAC team we played in the in the opener. Uh, this time around, not so much. Uh, I feel really confident about this game. Uh, I would expect a little bit of um, rust and just you know the t- typical things you see in a first game of the year, especially under Mark Stoops. Those first games uh, have not been the prettiest to watch uh for the big blue nation but um when it's all said and done uh i think kentucky will pull it out i'll take a nice uh 38 to 7 victory for kentucky yeah Braden, i hope you're right i hope this is one of those really comfortable victories i remember like last year uh we, we did have a very nice win uh in the swamp against florida but on like the other early non-conference games I think we were like 13 to 10 at halftime against Miami of Ohio in week one yeah. last year before Barryon yeah. took one yeah, back. That's correct. I feel like we were losing at halftime to Northern Illinois. And, you know, like Miami of Ohio, Northern Illinois, those are two solid Mac schools, but we, we should not have been in those games. And we saw like our flaws of like the offensive line that like a lot of that came out early. Um, I, I just hope we come out, we show the world that we're, we're, way better than the teams we're going to destroy them and bring on the sec let's win like 38 to three you know uh, most most season openers are kind of slow as we know uh it's usually just it takes a while to get going and like you all mentioned it's close at halftime but i don't know for some reason i predict this i don't expect it to be like a, a blowout but i feel like we'll get things going a lot quicker than normal i think just it's the excitement around this team and the offense is supposed to be what it is. I really expect our team to get out there and kind of from the from the jump, we see what Liam Cohen's brought back to this um, offense. So I actually pick like probably a, I'd say probably about a, a two to three touchdown win. You know, obviously it's comfortable the whole game, the whole game. What is this like a noon game? So I think it's just going to be more of like the excitement's there. Everybody's ready to get back to Kroger field, see the players and see the stadium and, you know, the new turf. So, Overall, not going to lose a whole lot of sleep over it. You know, it's going to chalk this one up as a W already. But I think it's more going to be like just to check out the team and see the the jerseys on the players. So what's your score, Trace? My score is probably going to be, if you're going to make me go with it right now, I'm going to say Ball State 14, Kentucky somewhere between probably right around 38, maybe double it real quick. Oh, plus 10. Sorry, that's not – can't do math. Double it. Woo! That's oh. an impressive first Whoa. game for Devin Leary. <laughs> a solid, uh, what, a 38 plus 38. Well, we're looking at. No, no, no. Six points. Ball State's got 14. Ball State's got 14. So double that's 28 plus 10. So my math's off. We got 38. Ball State's got 14. Hey, Jordan, I, I don't think I'm I. Not I a major, okay. Jordan, I don't think I gave you a score for mine. I'm going the Caps 45 13. 45 13. Okay. Um, so first off, I think this is going to be a game that uh, Ball State's defensive line is, is 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 kind of a concern for them right now. Although they've been determined to prove everybody wrong, right? And I I, I think adding the transfers Marcus Cox and Cortland Ford uh, 
um, to Kentucky's offensive line. It, it's just going to – it's going to show a lot about what Kentucky has. Um, now, should Kentucky be able to bully these guys, you know, in, in the trenches? Absolutely. But um, uh, another thing that I, that I think is going to be – is going to be great is because they have a lot of great running backs. So losing s- some guys like like your boy Matt, DeAndre Square um, – how comfortable are they going to be? You know, Jacquez Jones. How how much of an impact is going to be felt in that in that um, linebacker room that first game? Now, I I absolutely do not expect this game to be close. I mean, I, I don't even know their record last year, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was horrible. Um, and and so so saying that, I'm I'm predicting Kentucky to win by at least three touchdowns. Does anybody know the spread of that game? Uh, it is. 26 and a half. 26 and a half. So I'm, I'm in that area. Um, I, I think I'm going to go 35 to seven Kentucky wins. Um, and, and, and like I said, it, it's not going to be a, an overpowering game. It's going to be one of those games that as you, as you go on, you don't really realize the, the game's a blowout like you thought before, but um, guys, second week, we are moving into a three, what is it, three thirty, three o'clock game against the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. Um, oh, I'm going to be honest here. <laughs> yeah, roll Kearns. I, I don't see a situation in which that game isn't just about full, just because you have people coming from Eastern Kentucky, Richmond, Richmond area, which is what a thirty minute drive from Lexington. Um, fans and and not only fans, but but families of players and that kind of thing. So um, I know they recruit pretty locally. I don't know many, many, many people that they go out and recruit out of state. Um, but Braden, we'll start with you. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Eastern going into the 2023 season and, and how that game's going to play out in Lexington? Yeah, well, um, the last two times that Kentucky has played EKU, it's been a, a very big scare for Kentucky, I, uh, they last played in, I believe, 2017, and that game was close in the fourth quarter. It took a, uh, it took a, a Stephen Johnson uh, touchdown run late in the fourth quarter to put that game away. And then, of course, you go back to 2015 in that overtime game, where I mean, frankly, Kentucky should have lost that one, but uh, some late game heroics by Patrick Tolles uh, saw Kentucky win that one. Uh, however, this year I don't see that being the case. Um, I think Kentucky. Um, once again, uh, kind of like I said with Ball State, and I'll probably say the same thing with Akron. Uh, I don't don't anticipate to see uh, much of what Kentucky has in store offensively. I think it's going to be a very uh, a vanilla playbook uh, f- for uh, Liam Cohen, and that is probably more of a, uh, a a a call by Mark Stoops than it is Liam Cohen. But um, so I don't anticipate to see a lot of flashy, but I think uh, that they'll get the job done. And, uh, frankly, I just don't see Eastern Kentucky um, having a chance in this game. Um, so, I'll take Kentucky. Uh, give me 41 to 10. I like that score. Um, that's kind of in the same ballpark I'm at. Um, I mean, you look at EKU and, and you see last year they averaged nearly 36 points per game last season. And this year they're ranked – in the preseason top 25 at 21st for FCS. Um, but then you look at their defense who 
you might score 36 points a game, but if your defense is giving up 35 points a game, I mean, that that's a serious issue for them. Um, I think they should – EKU should be really good this season. I, I, I know they play in the FCS ranks. Um, they'll have a very solid season, but I just think overall this might be a field day for the offense, and, and then the defense for EKU is just not going to be able to keep up um, trying to keep the score down on our offense. Um, I'm probably going to go – 38-14, maybe EKU scores two touchdowns. Um, but I will say one thing about EKU. It'll be good to see familiar faces like C.J. Conrad and Maxwell Smith on the EKU sideline. I'm, I'm really happy for both of those guys. Yeah. How about um, you, Matt? Hopefully, hopefully we just roll here. It shouldn't be that big of a problem. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really just want to go back to blowing out these games. Last year kind of really put me in a rough spot. Like, we should be – I think, like, our first uh, conference game, if I'm right, is it Vanderbilt or is it Florida? It's one of the two. It's Vanderbilt. Vandy. Yeah, yeah, we should be, like, the first four weeks, we should have, like, an average uh, point differential of, like, plus 30. Like, we just should. If we want to be legit, we need to be blowing out these games. I mean, there are a lot of new pieces, especially on the defensive side and a lot of new pieces on the offensive line. Um, I'm just excited for both of those groups to step up. I hope it's a really easy win. I'll go 35-7 in this game. So I think this is a game that, like, fans are kind of going to be kind of eyeing over the first one. I mean, not that this is going to be a big test at all, but in terms of uh, local fan excitement and, you know, there's many of EKU students and fans that are UK fans as well. Um, usually not the other way around, but I think I expect this stadium to be pretty full for this one. I don't know if we reach a sellout, but I think it's going to be a pretty solid one, definitely more than game one. Of course, I like I said, it's not going to be very much of a test. Um, I've got us going winning 35-17. EKU's getting, a, you know, one or two, about two touchdowns, probably one in the first half, one in the second half, and then a late game field goal. Um, but I don't think it to be close at all. I don't really expect this to blow it out. I, I've seen this more of like a casual day over just – Fan excitement, but not really blowing them out like I wish that we would. I think that, like Matt said, we do need to be a team that just destroys all these little schools. But I, unfortunately, I don't expect it to happen in game two. But still, chalk this up 2-0. Um, that got us winning 35-17. to Yeah, I am expecting this game to be pretty run heavy. Um, like, I can't remember. Braden, it may have been you. It, it, it said Liam Cohen's not going to show a lot. It's going to be pretty vanilla, right? I think this is going to be a huge game for um, for uh, for Demi Sumo. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a pretty big game for Ray Davis. Just getting the um, Jutal McLean, we we've seen what what, what he can do um, since he's been at Kentucky. But just getting his feet um, accustomed to 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 being back in football form, right after after a year of not playing, but. Sumo is a, is a guy, and this is a little bit off topic, but Sumo is a guy that I'm really excited to see play a lot of um, maybe in the slot and then, of course, behind behind quarterback, right? I mean, he's, he's going to be explosive. I think he's going to be a guy that Kentucky fans aren't really necessarily going to expect to see come out of the gates. We've seen the Ray Davises of the world, and we, we've seen what, they, what he's done against Kentucky. Um, and then Kentucky fans are just so used to seeing it one running back in the backfield, and it's not going to be like that at all this year. Um, that's why I think Liam Cohen is lick, licking his chops coming into this season. Um, and really the main talk, um, as far as, as that kind of thing, is the tight ends, right? Liam Cohen has 
brought um, Isaiah Cummings back from the dead. Um, and Brendan Bates, we were talking to him last last weekend at Fan Day, and you know he's dropped a lot of pounds and he he, he shed a lot of weight and wanting to um, do some do, do some playmaking things. He doesn't want to just block. So um, I'm not sure exactly how much the tight ends are influenced in that first game. However, though, I do expect the running backs, fresh legs, they're going to run all over Eastern. I'm going to say 35 to to 10 is my final score on that. Um, but, I mean, as we look on, guys, 7-30 game, first night game at the Krogue in 2023 against Akron. Uh, so with that being said, Braden, what are your thoughts on the Akron game under the lights in Kroger Field, booze in your hands. How much is Kentucky winning by? Well, I won't have booze in my hands uh, because I won't be 21 unless you're, uh, uh, you're going to give me a fake. If you are, I'm, I'm down with that. But uh, but no, uh, as far as Akron goes, like you said, first night game That's of the year. Y- yes, it is illegal. Uh, first night game of the year. I think you're going to get a really rejuvenated crowd. I think it'll be our largest crowd of the season up to that point. And uh, – I think the team will be a little extra uh, excited, ready to go for a game under the lights. And um, I think this uh, this game and the other two we talked about already are more about Kentucky than our opponent. Um, and I expect this game to be the game where uh, Liam Cohen and Mark Stoops start to kind of let the offense open up a little bit, right? Because uh, you are going into SEC play uh, the week after, and uh, you kind of want to get an idea of what you of what you have going into that. So I think this is the game where you see – um, a lot of play action. You get uh, like the stretch running game involved, and you see some deep downfield passing uh, just to get an idea of, of what we have offensively. So I think there'll be a lot of um, offensive firepower in this game. And then, honestly, Akron, I'm, nothing about Akron concerns me. Um, so for this game, I'm going to go 52 to 10, Kentucky. Brayden, I completely agree with what you said about you know, starting to see a little bit more of the offense kind of coming out of its shell a little bit. Like we've talked about before, you know, Kentucky always starts the season off, you know, a little sloppy and then they kind of figure it out. And I think this is the game. Everything's going to click and I expect a high scoring game. And I'm just going to be flat out and say it. Akron is bad. We, we, we should blow this team out. It shouldn't even be close. It should be over before halftime. Um, they lost their all conference linebacker to the professional route. They were really hoping they would get him back to kind of be the anchor of that defense on a they were arguably one of the worst teams in in college football last year um i respect joe moorhead as a head coach but we should beat these guys i'm gonna go i'm gonna go high i'm gonna go 56 to 6 50 burger that's right you know when's the last time kentucky's got a 50 burger was it 20 no, when we played at Louisville, we did with Terry Wilson. Yep. Yeah. 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 That was 2019 or 2018. I'm sorry. Um, Benny Snell and them. But go ahead, Matt. Yeah. You know, Akron, they were the collegiate Spikeball national champions this last spring. But this isn't <laughs> Spikeball. This is football. Um, I expect us to win by a lot for all the reasons you already said. We're a good football team. They're not. Give me 49 7 cats. You know, with all of you all making some very high score predictions, I don't feel as bad about mine as, as I did uh, when we first started this podcast tonight. Because I was going to say struggle. seventy. 
I've had this one circled as a blowout. Mine's not honestly as quite as high as you all. Uh, I've got a 42 and to 10. Um, Devin Leary, this is the game where everyone knows who Devin Leary is as a Wildcat. I've got him with four touchdowns. Uh, Dane Key and Barry and Brown getting their own as well um, within that mix. Um, and then probably some from the running back, uh, the running back room. The only things I know from Akron is LeBron, Steph Curry, and honestly, trash football. So this is going to be, you know, the alcohol is going to be a flowing that night. It's going to be the first night game. There's going to be a whole lot of money being sung around the Kroger field. So I think this is going to be an exciting night where we get to get, finally they get to soak in that Kentucky football is back and we get out of the pregame slow first two games. And um, I think this is where the nation starts to really learn about Devin Leary as a Kentucky Wildcat. All right, so before I continue and give my score prediction, did you just – is Steph Curry from Akron? Yes, him he and LeBron. He was born James. in the same hospital as LeBron. No way. Yes, I'm and surprised. other than that, other than that, I mean, that's like the armpit of America. Besides Mark Stoops, what else does Ohio have to offer? Uh, okay, so here's my thing Browns. about Ohio. <laughs> here's my thing about Ohio, though, right? They can – they can master aviation flying in the air, right? Flying planes. Why is it that every time you drive to Ohio, you have to worry about getting hit by some dude going way too fast in the right lane? Like they cannot drive to save their life. And I'm sorry if anybody in Ohio is listening right now, but if you are, you probably agree with me. Like you cannot drive in Ohio. Like nobody there can drive. I don't know if they just hand out their driver's licenses or what, but it, it's, it's, it's very, um, it, it's very, it, it's, it's very free flowing there. Jordan, I just want to know how slow are you going in the left lane that people are passing you in the? <laughs> hey, okay. So I'm a firm believer that when you're driving, right. And a car is coming up on you and, and you're in the left lane, get over as fast as you can. Because first off, I hate to be tailgated. I'm usually going way over the speed limit. So, man, to be honest, I just hate Ohio and everything that, that comes with it, except for Mark Stoops, Vince Marrow, um, and that pipeline that they've built there. Um, but their driving is probably the worst of it all. Hey, since um, we're on this topic, I've got to make a point, too. For any, yeah. all, everyone listening, left lane is for passing only. There's nothing that makes <laughs> me more mad than someone just driving in the left lane. Listen, it's for, it's for passing only. If you want to ride – Get your ass in the right lane. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Trace, I have ridden in more than a few um, car rides with you, and I can verify that you absolutely hate that um, to the point that you will you will do the same thing. You'll do the exact thing that I hate, and you will you will ride somebody's ass. Yes, but... <laughs> I will. You are correct on that. <laughs> so shout out to Akron for hopefully they can make it to the stadium without any kind of disruptions of their, their bad driving. Um, but guys, as, as the listeners may know, Jacob and I have quite a, um, a bond when it comes to Clark Lee and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Um, I saw a tweet and you guys may remember who it was by. It it, it was talking about their stadium and it says something to the, to, to the lines of, um, Vander will not be built. Or Vander, we will take our time getting it built. I can't remember exactly how it went, but it, it, was, it was hilarious. I just yeah. put that together. That stadium looks rough, guys. Who's, um, who's pouring a glass of bourbon? Nobody. We don't drink here. Uh, um, I heard something pouring. 
I was a little Buffalo Trace. Uh, with that being said, though, Clark Lee. Uh, Braden, we're going to kick it off to you because we know how much you love Vanderbilt. Yeah, get the Clark yeah. Lee hater out of the way. <laughs> Braden, how do you think this game matches up for Kentucky? Uh, well, I think this game uh, for Vandy will go exactly like how their stadium looks. Um, first of all, I mean, well, first of all, there are no Vandy fans to come to the game in the first place. But ones that wanted to come now can't even get in because their capacity has art has gone down from a measly 42,000 to uh, 28,000. So essentially we're playing a football game inside a, inside a slightly bigger rep arena. Um, Let me stop you there. Let me stop you there because I will say being to Vanderbilt, um, being at Vanderbilt, it's it. There's no home home field advantage either way, right. regardless. So I would actually argue that this helps Vanderbilt because they don't have the away team coming in and flooding their stadium with 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 their fans. Well, that's a fair point. I mean, so it's really going to be about which team can get up uh, for a game more, um, which I think uh, Kentucky is going to be the team because we're just more talented and we have better players and we have a better coach. And um, really, that's just how it is. Uh, and you guys can, you know, you guys can talk about Clark Lee and the amazing coach that he. And I'm not saying he's not. I mean, I, I think Clark Lee is a very quality coach, but he's not uh, exactly as high on the pedestal as you guys like to put him up there as. Uh, so anyway, uh, long story short, Ray Davis homecoming party. I think he's gonna have a big game, and I think Kentucky wins 31 to 14. Braden, I know we have our differences, but I really like that score prediction. It's pretty much spot on with what I was thinking. Um, one one major storyline that you kind of have to look at for Vanderbilt is last year, Kentucky had to have everything go wrong for them to beat us. And it was, you know, a very close game. It was in the snow. Our offensive line was not very good. You know, momentum was down. Rumors about Rich Cangarello, you know, possibly getting fired. It, it was the lowest of lows, and they, they got us at our lowest. Um, but if you look at them, um, I think the biggest key is they lost Mike Wright. K- Kentucky defense, I don't know what it is about dual-threat quarterbacks. We always have a hard time kind of containing those guys. And I think now that he's moved on to Mississippi State, I think we can – I think we can keep the big plays in front of us with A.J. Swan at quarterback. I know he had a pretty good year last year, you know, filling in um, for a couple games. But I, I'm going 31-17 Kentucky on the road. I think it's I think it's probably about 31-7, and maybe they score 10 points in garbage time against some backups. Yeah, I, I – uh... Again, I kind of hope this is a blowout, but just looking at, like, historical trends, doesn't it seem like we always kind of have a stinker, the game, before we play Florida? Especially oh, the past few times yeah. we've been in Florida. I remember 28, 2018, I think it was very close against Central Michigan before we went down yep. and broke the streak in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, what was it, the Will Levis here? It was, like, stone, like... Which one? <laughs> no, it, it was... It was Chattanooga. It was Chattanooga. We were losing to yeah. them in the fourth quarter or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah you're right. It, that, that was, was the that last. was the kick return for touchdown. Was it? No, 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 no. That was the pick six. Oh, was it? Yeah, Tyrell Asia. Pick six. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. 
And then there was last year, we, we kind of had a, a stinker week one against, I forget who. Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio, yeah. So I kind of feel like as much as Stoops, Stoops is very, like he, he holds grudges. Like when he loses to a team he shouldn't have the year before, he brings it next year. But he, he's also, he cares about Florida a lot. And I feel like our team's going to already be in 3-0 and and having blowout wins. We'll take care of Vanderbilt easily, but I think it might get a little closer at the end. Give me twenty-four to fourteen, Kentucky over Vanderbilt. Part of me wants to have some PTSD from last year. Uh, I've been so wrapped around of how we lost that game. Uh, part of me wants to think that we might have a little bit of a flashback from last year. But since we've stole their best player, I'm kind you of know, why do you want to think that, Trace? What is it? I said, I said, why do you want to think that? Well, I can't get my head around. We've still lost that game. I, I don't understand how we did, but yeah, Braden, uh, listen to him talk. I am I'm listening. Just, I'm asking questions. I'm being like, I'm being very inquisitive. I'm slowly getting myself away from that since we stole their best player from last year, and I bet he wants to kind of uh, throw it back at at his own team that he was on. So actually, I picked this game to be kind of slow in the first half, maybe even tied. But I think the second half's all ours. That's just us getting to not necessarily a slow start, just. Um, just kind of having some PTSD from last year. Uh, but before I give you all my score prediction, Jordan, did you want to um, remind people of what that game was like when we went to the Vanderbilt uh, Stadium two seasons ago, what that night was like? Because you said Kentucky fans took it over. And let me tell you, if y'all weren't there, they took it over. Jordan, tell them what that night was like. It was cold, very cold. And then yeah. afterward, afterward, we went to Broadway. And I don't really remember the rest. Do you but, fans crowd surfing? I mean, it was the yes, it was a, a UK yes. party. It was a UK party in the stands. They were crowd surf, surfing. They had the cups. The what do they call that? The snake thing. The cup snake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a UK home game to no end in the middle of Nashville, and then all what of is it celebrated in on Broadway right after the game. So what is it like? The like a lot of people dipped out in the third quarter because there wasn't much of a game after that. But what was it? The Georgia fans. Um, I think a year prior to that. Um, when the SEC started selling beer, some schools did, and Vanderbilt was one of the first. And Georgia fans flocked that stadium and drank all the beer, and then was yeah. cheering on the back the, the the beer truck as it was backing into the stadium. I thought that's a legend that that has to be a legendary moment for any football team. I so wish that was Kentucky, but um, yeah. With that being said, um, as the listeners know, I'm. Huge fan of Clark Lee. I think he's a great coach. Um, with that being said, though, I don't think that the long game that he talked about at SEC Media Days is here exactly yet. Um, returning A.J. Swan, four-star quarterback coming out of high school, true freshman last year with nine games played, ten touchdowns and two picks. Um, I think what's going to come down to Vanderbilt's skills, it's going to be how, how that how that line is, the offensive line. It was a disappointment for them last year. Um Either way, I think Kentucky wins. But if they're showing improvements for, um, you, you know, with that offensive line, I, I think they could give some struggles early on. Um, like you said, Matt, it, it, it seems like after losing to a team that you shouldn't, a year later, Stoops follows it up with, a, with, with an ass kicking. However, this year, I think it may be just a little bit different just because Vander, it seems like also Vanderbilt always plays Kentucky pretty close. Um, Recently, of course, 2021 happened and it was a blowout. But um, really, other than that, Vanderbilt has, has had Kentucky's number. 
Um, not necessarily to the point where they beat them, but just enough to make you wonder. I think it was 2018. That game was in Miserable. Kroger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at Kentucky's best team in since the 70s, and they struggled against a terrible Vanderbilt team. Of course, two different Vanderbilt teams now. Um, they got some transfers in, um, guys from Stanford, guys from Michigan State, um, j- just guys that, that, that can play ball. Um, they return all five of their offensive linemen from last year that started. Um, so if, if they can improve as well as Swan and he can improve his decision-making, I can see a scenario where this game is close, but that's a lot of ifs. So I'm going to say Kentucky wins 35-17. to 17. The game's never really out of question. I know you didn't get a prediction in. I want to hear your score prediction. Mine was pretty similar to yours, 35-21. to 21. I think it's pretty close in the first half. And I think the way the skill set of these teams, I don't think it deserves to be that way. I just think that's just the way it's going to play out. A little bit of a stinker, but I think the second half we do get it rolling. I got 35-21, a pretty comfortable lead um, from the second half on. Yeah. So as we roll into um, this next game, guys, I don't know how important this game – well, it, it, it is very important, and it's going to be a, a huge atmosphere in Kroger Field against Florida September 30th. Um, Matt, you and I – well, I guess Trace as well – are in this group message. and I don't know how many times I've sent this Jeff of Graham Mertz saying he's not good. Um, <laughs> so as – as I um, continue my Graham, Graham Mertz hate, I am so glad Kentucky didn't get him because Devin Leary looks to be an absolute stud, 20 times better than him. And we see that offensive line at Florida um, kind of have their struggles as well in that spring game. And, and, and we've heard rumors that, you know, up to fall camp that that may be a, a reason for concern for the Gators. So, Brad, we'll start with you. Um, I know you're a big fan of Anthony Richardson. You, you <laughs> like him a lot. Um, however, he's not there in 2023. He's not walking through those doors. So, so, so Braden, what's your take? Yeah, uh, as far as Florida goes um, in this game, I anticipate a pretty low-scoring game. Uh, I think Florida has a very quality defense. Uh, and then offensively, I think they have essentially nothing. Uh, no offensive line, a quarterback that needs a quality offensive line to uh, – to somewhat produce, and he does not have that. And then, frankly, the weapons that Florida has a few weapons. Um, uh, they have, they they are they are like returning, I believe, Ricky Pearsall. Is that how you pronounce the last name? That's what we're yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Pearsall, and um, I, uh, he, so he'll be their top target this year. But um, but as far as the game goes, um, this feels weird to say, but. I think Kentucky has Florida's number, and um, and frankly, I, I, neither the players nor the fans kind of look at this game anymore as you know a game you just think you're going to lose. In fact, I think most fans and even the players would say that they expect to win this game, and I think it's for good reason. Um, but with that, I do think Florida's defense will keep the game close, and um, I expect a very low-scoring game. I expect a fantastic atmosphere at Kroger Field, and, uh, and whenever the fourth quarter comes to an end, I think Kentucky will uh, will uh, hang on for a 24-13 to 13 victory. I completely agree about it being low scoring. I mean, you look at both teams, Florida, 
great defense. I mean, they, they have studs all over, even though they, they just lost one of their star edge rushers for the season. Um, he went down with the camp injury, and he's going to be out. But, I mean, you're looking at blue-chip recruits all over the field. But then you look on the offensive side of the ball, and you have Ricky Pearsall and then two pretty good running backs. I'll give them credit for their running backs, but we know who Graham Mertz is. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed, but when Kentucky was rumored to land Grant, Graham Mertz, I was trying to kind of talk myself into it. <laughs> I was watching his YouTube highlights, highlights and, you know, trying to be like, oh, he would look so good in the Liam Cohen system. The guy Jacob, I went, I went back and watched that um, the Kentucky ver- – or not not Kentucky, um, Graham Mertz versus Ohio State. Did you watch that game? <laughs> yes, dude. It had me believing. That was – oh, my God. That was brutal. That was a brutal watch. That was – oh, gosh. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you, I really like what Braden said about it being low scoring. I mean, you're going to have two – very physical defenses. I, I'm going to go probably 20 to 10 UK. I think Kentucky has to settle for a couple of field goals um, in the red zone, but I'm going to go 20 to 10. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. I, I think this game turns out very similar to last year where um, when we won in the swamp, like our, our offense, is, well, it'll get some big plays. Florida's a really solid defense. We're going to struggle to move the ball too much. But I just think their quarterback makes just really dumb decision after dumb decision down the stretch, which just helps Kentucky win the game. Um, I don't know anyone that's high on Graham Mertz other than Nick McCardell, who will love anyone from the state of Wisconsin. (laughs) Shout out to him. Um, I hope he's wrong on this one. I I think, yeah, I, I, I like that score. I think 23 to 13 sounds about right. The only thing that I'm really worried about Who's the younger brother? Is it Trevor or Travis Etienne? Travis. Yeah, I think Trevor's the one at Florida right now. Trevor's the younger one. He was a true freshman last year. Yeah, wasn't I apologize. He? Yeah, Travis Harry. is in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be a problem. Um, if I just remember that Florida game correctly, I'm I'm not looking yes. forward to having to play against him. Does he have? I can't keep up with this. Does he have our uh, former giant left tackle blocking for him? My That's football knowledge is so bad. Yeah, they go. Yeah, is, is that no, no, no. He, he left the program with the program? Oh no! Oh, yeah, yeah. His, his, I think his mother had some had some health issues, so yeah, he, he transferred out. Yeah, I'm rooting but. for the guy, but yeah. Uh, well, regardless, still worried about Etienne. Uh, one thing, if I can add real quick uh, with this game, um, up to that point, uh, Florida will have played both at Utah and then at home against uh, 12th-ranked Tennessee. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Kentucky will have three sticky teams and then a game at Vandy. So um, so that, that is one thing that does worry about that game is Florida will have had some uh, – well, I've had some battle-tested games already, while Kentucky, uh, assuming Vandy isn't that close of a game, that will kind of be Kentucky's first real test of the season, and that's, you know, game number five. So that is one concern I do have. The, the tactical advantage there is we know that Mark Stoops likes the stinkers early because he doesn't have to break the playbook open. Yeah, um, right. So we'll we'll have everything Florida has to see. I mean, they're not going to hold anything back playing like a team like Utah. You know, like Graham Mertz isn't going to show us something we haven't seen in week five. <laughs> and if like some ginormous scandal pops up again, we'll uh, we'll get some stinkers to get our suspensions out early with. 
I can definitely say I am pretty bummed that we're not making a, a, a overnight road trip to Gainesville again this year. While oh, that God, was, that was brutal. While that drive was miserable, it was fun uh, seeing the palm trees and getting a win down uh, in Gainesville. So, Trace, I'll, I'll Trace can, I tell you the, can I tell you the story? Can, can, we, can we say the story on here? about? Yeah, um, okay, so um, for our listeners and I guess you guys that haven't on here that haven't heard this, but um, – Trace and I, with, with some friends, made the trip to Gainesville, um, and I went as a fan. Trace went um, as media and, and, and covered it, and a lot of things led to the reason this happened, but basically after the game, I was like, I'm going to go back to the bars, and I told, I told Trace, I said, hey, like, because we were going to make this like a down and back trip, which is the worst idea ever. I don't know why we didn't just get a hotel. Would not recommend no, it was it was brutal. But our plan was to, you know, switch out drivers like every three hours. So it made it because, I mean, we had a car load of people. Um, and it got to the point where um, after Stoops talked, and I, I don't remember who wh- which players exactly talked. Levis. Um, Trace, yeah, it was Levis. You went up to, to the booth to write, if I remember correctly, and then you texted me and you're like, hey, what are you doing? Because I guess you were expecting us to be in the car or something. But instead, we were in line at the bars in Gainesville talking our shit to Florida fans. It was a great time. Um, but with that being said, it, it was, <laughs> you know, we took a lot of heat that game too, um, being there in a Kentucky shirt. But it, it was a great time overall. However, I do not recommend a down and back trip to Gainesville. It was probably the worst experience of my life driving at 3 a.m., to Atlanta while everybody in the car was asleep but me. Um, yeah, I didn't sleep once the whole trip. The whole trip. <laughs> let me once. let me give some context. We left Lexington at twelve thirty on what night was that? Friday. Friday yeah, it was night? a Friday. It was a Friday night. Yeah. We, you know, everybody's up the entire day for their you know their daily stuff, and we left at twelve thirty out of Lexington. Drove all night long. Got there at the morning. Picked our buddies up from the airport. Went to the uh, restaurants and bars all through campus all day long. Still wide awake, not not slept once. We go in and covered. It ended up being around four to five hours for the entire game of all the stuff we had to do, and then hopped in the car and drove all the way back. Now that was a bender that I don't want nothing part of again. If we would have lost that game, I think we might have lost our minds too on the way back. So thankfully we came back. Oh, of you. Um, our friend Sal, dude. <laughs> Yeah, we would have well, been having to bail him out. <laughs> you know, I, let's add this to there too. We picked our buddy up from the hotel, or from the airport, went to the game, kicked Florida's ass, and then dropped him back off at the airport in the middle of the night, and we went on our way. It was quite the uh, quite the something I wish we could have had on video, um, and that also losing your dad around the um, campus as well. That oh was, god, was much detail with that. But anyway, back to some football talk and some fun. Yeah. Things. It's, Shout um, out Sal, though. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday to Sal. Yes, sir. The biggest Gator hater that I know. I'll, I'll never be able to find one that hates the Gators more than him. Um, the man's got living proof of a tattoo to go with it. But anyways, uh, I've got this game. Is like a good point that Braden mentioned earlier is that we do have their their numbers now. And, we you know, I don't expect it you know to be another field storming. You know, we're getting a little used to this now, um, you know, after we spent three decades losing to them. But I think it will be Kentucky's first test of, test of the year. You know, piggybacking off of what Braden said, you know, we get some four cupcake games for the most part. Um, I just hope the guys will become out ready for this one. I, I do believe they will. 
I think it's going to be close like everybody else could predicted. Um, probably until the right in the very last quarter. I think most of the last few years has came to the last fourth quarter, if I, if I remember correctly. But I've got our, us going 5-0 and with a win, 31-24, to about one touchdown. Um, and that can come anywhere in the last probably 10 minutes or so. I think it's going to be a close one that we go out that night with some excitement being 5-0 and and beating Florida again. Yeah, so um, a little bit unlike your guys' opinion, I think that Kentucky is going to put a lot of pressure on Florida's defensive young defensive backs. Um, you know, they have some young tight ends as well. I think they're going to be a great defense, but I think what stands out with them is Billy Napier is not going to continue following the trend, giving the plays up to the offense or calling the plays up to the offensive coordinator. That's just not who he is. Um, and I think that we're going to see as we continue on to college football in this era that that's not going to work out exactly how um, it has in the past. That being said, though, I I can't see a scenario where they score many points against Kentucky. Um, just a, a very – I like to explain them or describe – they're an experienced defense, but they're inexperienced at the same time. I mean, you have true sophomores. You have – true juniors out there playing ball. And that that's something that, that, that I think is, is actually going to propel Kentucky in and be able to um, have a, a dominant defense as we roll into 2023. Um, but with that being said, I think that Kentucky is going to, like I said, put pressure on um, the, 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 the back defensive backfield for Florida. Uh, they're going to, they're going to get a few more touchdowns. I, I think that they're going to score, I would say 31 31 to 17 is going to be my guess for that. Um, in Kroger Field, that place is going to be electric. Um, but, you know, what, what else can you predict, you know? So, with that being said, Kentucky the next week um, goes into Athens, and I think everybody here is going to predict a loss um, following back to back national championships from the Bulldogs. But, Braden, we'll start with you. How dominant is Georgia going to be? And is that game going to be close? Is Kentucky going to be sweating one out? Or um, is that going to be one that, that, that Kentucky knows early on that it's not going to be a good night? Um, Kentucky has has really played Georgia fairly well over the years. Really, um, I mean, like, like the last time that Georgia really beat the brakes off of Kentucky, I think you've got to go back to 2017. Uh, since then, I mean, I, I feel like uh, Kentucky has has played that game very well, and I, I think uh, that'll be uh, the same again this year. Once again, I expect a low scoring uh, output uh, because both defenses are going to be uh, definitely top half of the SEC, in my opinion. And um, so for this game, of course, and then if Georgia has a freak athlete and Brock Bowers, I don't think anybody, any defense in this in this country can really get a handle on. And then of course, Georgia is going to just come down to, you know, how good is Carson Beck uh, once he is officially in the starter? Cause he will start for Georgia. Um, that's but, the, that's the main concern I think for, for Georgia fans right now. Definitely. It's yeah. going to be. Exactly. I, I mean, you already know what you have defensively. You're going to have one of the top defenses in the country. You, you know, you have a, like I said, you have a freak athlete, Brock Bowers, and you got good uh, and you got quality players, uh, outside and then in the running back room as well. And uh, so really it's going to come down to Carson Beck. And uh, and I think when it's all said and done, this will 
be Kentucky's first loss of the season, but I think it'll be close. Um, I'm going to take Georgia in this game 24-13. to 13. Looking at these games, I, I really like to go almost position group by position group and see if they're even, you know, if one team has a severe advantage or severe disadvantage. I mean, you, you look at quarterback, and we just don't know about Carson Beck yet, so I, I would probably choose Devin Leary. But, I mean, you look at every other position, and I'm seeing either even or, you know, very advantageous for Georgia. So um, I, I think this is one we can go down to Sanford. Maybe if it's like a 3.30 or maybe a noon game, we can kind of catch them sleeping a little bit for maybe a quarter, quarter and a half, maybe keep it close until halftime. But at the end of the day, Georgia's blue chip talent, I mean, they're three – four or five players deep with four stars, five stars. Um, I just don't think we have have the guns to outgun them down in Athens. I'm going to go with a loss, but 31-13, but they, they score a couple late touchdowns to make it look a little uh, worse than it actually was. Yeah, again, uh, I feel like I agree with both Braden and Jacob kind of across the board, and this is not going to change. I think we do kind of hold our own, but Georgia is just so freaking good. Um, honestly, would not be surprised if they three-peated. Uh, I don't know the last time that that's happened, but they're it just like loaded. The, it was like the 50s, I think. Yeah. I, I do, I but I do like Kentucky's chances uh, to at least hold their own. It's, even, it's really competitive. I remember even, like, the COVID year, uh, Joey Gatewood, like, that, that <laughs> team, like – it was like fourteen to three, so we didn't score a lot. Yeah. We held them. We held them close, and I think both touchdowns were kind of yeah. Um, so I think we'll play them close. Give me twenty. That was a nooner. It was. I was there. It was one of the weirdest games <laughs> I'm I've sorry. ever been to ever. I was there too. <laughs> did we score? Did we score that game? I don't think we did. Yeah, like we th- scored three. Did we? Yeah, yeah. I'm we actually. Scored, we got a field goal before half. It was seven to three at halftime. I'm pretty sure that, like, the only time we scored the field goal, I was in, like, a stupid line to, like, get Chick-fil-A, and it was, like, COVID, so we had to be, like, 100 <laughs> feet apart. It was the slowest thing of all time. Um, so I missed our only points of the game and had to watch Joey Gatewood and Eddie Grant offense the rest of the way. Anyways, I'm going off track. I think we lose 28-17, to 17, but hold our own once again against the big dogs. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Let's go ahead and chalk this one up as an L. Um, it's, I'm in a weird position, though. I'm in a weird predicament. I kind of want to know what you all thought about this. But honestly, in most of the last few years, I've truly been one of those people who's like, okay, we, we, we've got to the point where we, we've got a chance, you know, and it, we've looked all right against them. But then, you know, it's just we've still fallen for them. And I, I've kind of got out of that hopeful mindset. You know, maybe I'll get that way the week before. Um, of course, I do have a, a fat L right now. I have it going to 28 to 28 to 10. Um, I think we barely squeeze out a touchdown and a field goal here. I think Devin Leary does get his one. Um, but other than that, it's going to be defense heavy. I mean, Georgia's missing their pieces. You know, they've got pieces they've got to figure out from last year. And Stetson Bennett ain't there anymore. But this is just a different breed. I mean, this These Kirby Smart Georgia teams, we've not seen teams like them in a long time. So I, I, I'd be off on the deep end if I was pick predict, predicting a win. Um, I've got us being in just a slow, kind of brutal loss in our, our first loss of the season at 5-1. and one. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you here. Shout out to Matt Ruffalo, by the way, um, for scoring those points against Georgia. I know that had been been uh, 
one of his one of his bigger moments in in college football was um, <laughs> scoring the only points against against the Bulldogs. Um, with that being said, yeah, this game is always played. It's played close, but at the same time, it's never played to the point where I feel like Kentucky has a shot of pulling it off. Um, I, my my first thought goes to 2018 when I think that the entire city of Lexington was going to burn down if Kentucky were to somehow pull that off. And, of course, things happened. And although that game was close, at the same time, it, it wasn't exactly, um, you know, a, a – a, going to be close either, if that makes any sense. But a um, couple plays happened to, to make that game a little interesting, and that's kind of what we've seen. 2019, it was the same thing. I think it was, what, 21-0? to zero. It was um, the monsoon just, game. Yes, yes. Just a lot of weird things happen against Georgia. However, they never seem to uh, benefit Kentucky in the least. But um, I'm going to say Georgia is going to be outstanding. And like you said, Braden, that – Brock Bowers is going to be one of the best. I don't want to call him a receiver, but he's pretty much a receiver with what he does. Um, he's going to be one of the best in the country, though. Um, put anybody back there, I could probably throw for 200 with Carson Beck on my team. Um, or not Carson Beck, but but Brock Bowers. But um, with that being said, I'm going to say Kentucky win, or Kentucky loses. I'm sorry. Um, I wish they won 24 to 10. Um, I think it's a 14-point game. I, 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 like I said, though, I don't think Kentucky has a shot. Have um, any of y'all ever made the trip down to Georgia? I don't think I know one person that has. I haven't. I've been wanting to. I, I may go trace this. I may go. This is like a completely off podcast conversation. But I, I kind of want to go and, and cover that cover that game. Um, I don't know, just with my schedule and everything. But um, that, that'd be pretty fun, man, just to see Athens and – because I, I seem like that atmosphere – I feel like that atmosphere is pretty pretty fun. I know a couple people that have went, actually, and they said they said it was pretty worth the trip. So um, I'm just not sure outside of football what Athens has to bring for us. Uh, fast driving, that's for sure. Yeah, probably, probably. Um, so um, as we head into this Missouri game, Braden, I want to start with you. Man, I, I I love Luther Burden. I'm gonna go ahead and throw that out there. I think what what Eli is doing with him, putting him in the slot and letting him get into some some green grass, is gonna do well for that offense to get it jump started um, with a quarterback that's little. Pro- I, I would say probably a, a little bit, um, you know, on, on the bottom half of the SEC in terms of quarterbacks. Yeah. But Braden, how about you? Yeah, um, I think outside of Brock Bowers, I think Luther Burden is the most um, dangerous offensive player that we face this season. Um, but um, I think defensively, uh, I think Missouri has one of the best linebacker rooms in the conference, and uh, I, I think their defense as a whole is going to be really solid. But then outside of L- Luther Burden on offense, I don't really see a whole lot to get uh, extremely worried about. Um, and then, of course – the game is uh, is at Kroger Field. Uh, I think Missouri has a little bit of a revenge factor, uh, considering how last season's game ended with the um, with the roughing the kicker call and all the drama that happened with that. But um, uh, I feel good uh, with Kentucky coming off of their first loss of the season, wanting to get back in that win column. 
Um, I think Kentucky wins this game 27 to 17. I mean, if you've watched any of SEC Network shows, I it's hard not to hear the Mizzou hype. I mean, we hear about their defense pretty much returning everybody. Um, you look at their offense, and we know they have Luther Burden, and their offensive line has some severe question marks. Um, that and they bring they're breaking in a new offensive coordinator. Um, and I'm not a big believer in Brady Cook. Um, I know they're in a quarterback battle, but I, I really think he's going to end up winning the job just by experience and him being more of a game manager type quarterback. Um, but Missouri is not beating us in Lexington. I'm going to go ahead and say it. They haven't in years. Um, we usually have a pretty pretty good crowd on hand for Missouri. I think that, that might be a sneaky night game that'll probably get sold out and should be one of the better ones on the SEC slate that week. Um, I, ju- I just think we we pulled that one out. I think it's close, but I'm going to go with a win 20-17. to 17. All right, so before we go any further, um, just to let everybody know, the Matt Sack has got some um, some big boy jobs uh, for tomorrow. He's gonna have he's gonna have to get off a little bit early, but I just want to go ahead and Matt. Uh, I want to hear how you uh, finish out the season really quick. Just get a score prediction um, and any other notes as you as you head out to um, the the real world. Um, so we, right. we we'll talk a little bit more football. All right, rapid fire. In the Colin Goodfellow revenge game, we win 28-7 to at home over Mizzou. Bro uh, we, Street. We upset. Maybe this is an upset. <laughs> probably due to uh, historical reasons, this is an upset. We beat UT 31-28 to at home. Bro Leary, out- Leary, Leary outshines Milton when it counts. Um, then go, Stoops goes and breaks the SEC West Road uh, streak that he's been battling against. Oh. Uh, beats Mississippi State 17 to 10 on the road. We lose a close one to Bama at home 31 to 24, but we play them respectfully. Um, we absolutely murder South Carolina on the road. Stuck at Shane Beamer oh. 35 to 14 win. <laughs> and then we blow out Louisville because that's just what we do 31 to 7. And then we go and drop a very close game in the Sugar Bowl to Texas, only to go and beat them in their own place the following year. Wow. Exciting My stuff. Thought. Love it. Exciting stuff. Matt, with that being said, I am so <laughs> happy you came on and you got me excited for football season single handedly. So, um, that being said, make sure to, um, Sackies, if you're listening, make sure to follow um, us. <laughs> make sure to keep listening. <laughs> make, sure, make sure to keep listening as well because we, we got some good football talk to, to go. We're only halfway through. So, uh, Matt, thank you for coming on, man. Great yeah, talking for, with you. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to hearing a bunch of wins during work tomorrow, hopefully, when I listen to this podcast. <laughs> of course, I, hey. I want to hear. I want to hear one Alabama upset. I need to hear one. Oh, you think we should? Oh, don't worry. Uh, uh, Jacob and Jordan think they're going eight and four, so it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say. Okay, never mind. That's that'll be up for debate a little bit later on in this podcast. But um, Brad or Matt, of course, always good to have you on. Man, cannot wait to hang out with you in a, in, in a couple of weeks. So that being said, get you some sleep, man. I know you got a full day of work tomorrow. Damn right. Good night, gentlemen. I will see you all in purple lot. Salute, Matt. See you, Matt. <laughs> yes, sir. Good night.
All right, now what we're all waiting for is my Missouri prediction. I know y'all. I thought we were all going to talk trash. I know y'all all been desperately waiting this whole time for my Missouri take, so here it is. Um, not who am I kidding? I get weird vibes when it comes to Missouri, to be honest with you. It kind of reminds me of like a family reunion, and they're the cousins that you don't think about all year long, but then <laughs> things, get, things get a little chippy on that family reunion football game once a year. <laughs> no, I know most cases it's not once a year, but in this story it is. Uh, but ultimately, they're not coming to Kroger Field and getting the win. You know, it's they're the – they're the cousins that you see at the family reunion that thinks they can hang with you in outside football, but then you show them who the big cousin is. Yeah. Um, I got us winning this game. Let's say I've not got an official score yet, but let's say a solid two touchdowns. I could easily see three coming just to kind of flex on them late in the game. If I can do some quick math in my head, let's go 14 Missouri. Yeah, let's make it three touchdowns. That would be 35 to 14 cats in Lexington. Uh, yeah. So like I said, uh, <laughs> I am really, I, I'm really huge on, on Luther burden. However, I don't <laughs> think Brady Cook's going to be very good. Um, that being said, Kentucky, what Kentucky, Kentucky's going to win. Um, I think it's already been established that that game's not a rivalry with the sec, um, going into next season. What are you laughing about? <laughs> Nothing. Keep going. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to hear what you're laughing about. You just said you're really huge. It just made me laugh. <laughs> hey, some pe- some people in this world actually believe Missouri is a rival- rivalry. Um, I hope you know that. There's a, a section yeah. of this country that believe that. Yeah. And that section is Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> One of 50. <laughs> a 25-mile radius of Columbia. <laughs> like I said, it's that, it's that cousin that you see at the family reunion once a year that thinks he's more perfect than what analogy. he is and he's not. Perfect. Mm. Let's own them bozos. I hate, I hate the way Eli Drinkwitz carries himself. I don't hate anybody, but I hate the way he carries himself as a person. I feel like he wants to be Lane Kiffin so bad, and he's just yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Him and Shane Beamer both agreed. Mm -hmm. I got something for Shane Beamer when we get to talk. Oh, I got something for Shane Beamer too. Don't worry. (laughs) I got a lot of days marked. I'm ready to go. And a Cater Day check down his ass. <laughs> Tennessee, who you guys got? I don't think you ever gave a score, did you, Jordan? Like uh, oh, oh, boy. I think the last season of that game being a quote unquote rivalry, I think I think I want to give Kentucky a I want to say forty two to 28 advantage over the Tigers. Uh, but, you know, am I crazy for that? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, that's okay. valid. I think so, too. Valid. Okay. Uh, Tennessee. Tennessee Volunteers. Braden, we'll start with you. I mean, if they low down, wait, 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 wait. they hold dirty. Braden, Braden, Braden. What? Now that I think about it, did Matt just predict a 11 and one season? No, he predicted ten and two. Like he said that we lose to Bama. Okay, okay, go on. They low down. They what? They some snitches. I said they low down. They dirty. They some snitches. And you know what? I don't have it in my heart to pick Tennessee and anything. And I'm not just saying this because I have you know I mean like my blue goggles on. I'm I I truly believe that um, 
last season was uh, in an outlier for Tennessee. I think that all the thing, I think everything just fell into place uh, for them last year. Um, I think that Josh Heupel offense uh, isn't made to last in the SEC. Uh, and to, to be honest, I think it was good enough for one year and they'll kind of sink back down. Also, I mean, we don't know what Joe Milton is. I mean, he, he was the starter two years ago, and then he got benched for not, you know, not playing up to standard. And, well, he got hurt, too. Well, that as well. But, I mean, it, it wasn't anything major. I mean, he could have come back if they thought that he, he was a better guy to lead the team. Um, and then, of course, he lost he lost the battle last season. Um, but um, there's obviously, you know, you, you can't deny that he has an absolute rocket for an arm. But then there's the there's the concerns of accuracy and um, and consistency and all that stuff. And uh, I just don't think Tennessee is going to be who they were last year. Uh, and I, I think they will uh, they're going to be more like the Tennessee of 2021 than 2022. Which of course that Tennessee team did beat Kentucky, but also it was a very close game and it was at Kroger Field. And I think that one I think it'll be very similar this year. Um, so in this game, I'm going to take Kentucky in a close one, uh, give, and I think, uh, offensively Kentucky kind of has their huge, uh, breakout game in conference in this one. So I'm going to take Kentucky 38 to 35. Braden, I'm going to come in from the top rope here. You said that we don't know who Joe Milton is. We know who Joe Milton is. He's a terrible quarterback. He's lost Ooh. every starting. He's lost every job. He's ever competed for. They're going to come in, and Nico Lamaleava is going to be the starting quarterback that game. But Tennessee is going to have more, um, more success on the ground than through the air. But Kentucky is going to win 41 31 in Lexington, and we're going to send those big orange bastards back to Knoxville. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jacob, all guys say is you better hope Vol Nation don't get get, get a hold. Oh, I want the will, smoke. Let them hear it. They will drag you on Twitter for three weeks. Let me tell nope. you, bring them on. Hey, hey, we should uh, we should put that on the Cats coverage Twitter account. Just a, an audio clip of that, and just tag like Tennessee volunteers in it and see what happens. No, <laughs> honestly, I got to credit them a little bit. There's not many fan bases that will go to war over the dumbest situations Agreed. than Tennessee fans. They, they that's You'd put that on there, and they will drive up the comment section like no other. Hey, it's fine with us. It helps put our stuff out more. So It's an impressive it. level of hating. I, I almost respect it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> this, if we're going to move on to my prediction of Tennessee, um, I'll be honest with you, I'm more of a realist. It's hard for me to pick a win over Tennessee, but I can guarantee you right now that there's not a game on the schedule that I want to win more outside of, like, of course, you know, who wants to beat Alabama and Georgia? Of course, everybody. But one that has somewhat of a chance that I still am not pinning us to do, Tennessee is the one I'm going to be screaming the most for and wishing that we get the dub over. But as of right now, I am a realist. I'm going to pick a loss 42-31. to um, it's just by 11 points, so, you know, I, I feel like there is a chance we could beat them. You know, there's a world, I guess I should say, where we could beat them. I think last year was pretty miserable. I think that Stoops is going to have that a little bit on his um, on his chest. Uh, and the, the recruits that were – our players that were trying to get recruited to Tennessee last year might have a word about that too. So don't count me out as on that the, the, the week of the game picking us to win. But as of right now, I'm going to go 42-31 balls. 
Yeah, I'm I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be, like you said, I don't think there's a game on the schedule that I want Kentucky to win more um, besides besides those two. But, man, I just – I cannot stand the volunteer fan base. It would be so great to finally be able to, to, to put them to rest. I, I do think, though, I, I think this is going to be if there was an offensive game for Devin Leary to show it off, I think this would be it. Do you guys agree with that? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, look, Tennessee's defense kind of is what it is at this point. It's it, it's going to be about like last year. I mean, how many points did they give up to South Carolina? A million. Uh, and, I'm pretty sure they're still uh, uh, keeping score of that game, actually. I think <laughs> the Rattler just scored again when you <laughs> – and um, that's just kind of been, you know, the the. Now, last year it was a little bit easier for Tennessee to know exactly what was going on because um, they literally had the playbooks in their lap. Um, and Rich Gangarello was the offensive coordinator, so of course they could stop. I mean, like you put any defense out there and they could have stopped that team. But back to Liam Cohen, probably one of the better. I think will go down as the greatest offensive coordinator in Kentucky football history. Um, I just don't see how that game isn't a a, a game that that that's it's going to get that ball is going to be in the end zone quite a bit, right? So, um, I do think that Tennessee unfortunately pulls off the win. As much as I hate to say it, and it kills me as not only a a, a media member but a fan of the game and a fan of Kentucky, but I, I do think that Tennessee wins. Trace, I think you're pretty close in that in, in that uh, prediction, and mine's pretty close as well. I'm gonna say 45 to 31. Um, Tennessee's gonna win, and oh man, it hurts me to say it because I hate those volunteers so much. But well, let me ask you a question on that. Since yeah. we, we seem to be on the same brain waves uh, for the Tennessee game, you know, we got the same. We've, we got the loss, unfortunately. We want to win that more than anything. Uh, I, I want to know what game on this schedule would you give up a loss or would you let us have a loss for that we should probably win in order to beat Tennessee? Like, is there one on here you could forfeit and take the embarrassment of just to beat Tennessee one good time? Can I can, can I use Mississippi State the next game? Because that would probably be mine. Um, if, you want to, if you want to include that, um, of course, Kentucky has never gone down to um, Mississippi State and won in the Stoops era. So I don't know if you would consider that but that would be mine. Um, another one I would choose is probably like, I don't know, man, Missouri. Missouri would probably be my second guess of that. Confirmed but, rivalry if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I mean, I don't see Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron. Like those two, those three games in a row are not going to be any kind of issue. Vanderbilt, I do not see Kentucky losing that one again. What's your thoughts um, about Florida? Would you lose to them for a Tennessee win or or Yeah, probably. I probably would. Yeah. Uh, Braden I, Jacob, I, what what are your thoughts on that? Uh I would all right, I know y'all are probably gonna clown me for this, but I will. I don't okay. Uh I don't view Louisville as much of a football rivalry as I do basketball. Like I consider Tennessee Braden. a bigger football rivalry. I would take a loss over to Louisville for a win over Tennessee. Yeah, I'm gonna cut this out. <laughs> yeah, cut that one out. I think I know, all you, 
Curry. Remember, this is Brom's back. You know, all you got to do is let them get one win with Brom here, and it's over. We're gonna hear about that all That's summer right. long. Like this, this might maybe should have gave up that win last year, but this year with Brom here, they're gonna be on top of the world until we play them next year. You know, how great would it be if how great would it be if Georgia Tech beats Louisville in their first week or in, in, in week one after we hear all this Brom talk? And I mean, I know Georgia Tech is terrible, but wouldn't that just be like the greatest like Louisville? Be quiet, kind of move, kind of move. I mean, with the whole basketball thing and Trenton Flowers right now, like that would be hilarious, right? Yeah, we're all Georgia Tech fans that day. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Also, I'm a big Hawaii or I'm a big Vanderbilt fan in uh, Week Zero against Hawaii. I think that game's gonna be pretty pretty good in a high school stadium. <laughs> That's a <amazing. laughs> fool me with that. No, that, hey, did y'all see that they're going to have to have a crane to get to use the scoreboard at Vanderbilt Stadium this year? Jeez, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's so obvious that that town does not care about the school of Vanderbilt at all outside of baseball. It's all country music and entertainment. They could care less about Vanderbilt football. It's honestly it's well, kind of sad, but it's funny even more. Well, Trace, I haven't – of course, I haven't been down, there, been down there since the last time you and I were down there. But in a couple of years, but apparently that whole town is like a construction zone right now. So. Oh, it doesn't surprise me. Nashville just grows and grows every year. But it, yeah. you know, once you think about it, it's like it—it it was not a home game for Vanderbilt at their at their um, stadium two years ago. It was such a Kentucky game, and that's part of that because Kentucky fans travel. But like, I really—I've not been to any other game down there. But they—it just—I feel like Vanderbilt's on the last of the list for that town. It's you know, it's kind of sad, but honestly, I'm laughing as well. <laughs> so um as we move on to uh mississippi state in starkville trace you know how bad that stadium is it's horrible right it's a yes, big enough. block of concrete with about forty-five thousand fans in it that like to use their cowbells to make it sound like it's louder than it is oh, please don't mention this <laughs> so uh brayden do you see kentucky um doing the impossible and winning in starkville all records must be broken, and it is time for Mark Stoops to go win an SEC West game, and I think that this is the year that they do it. Um, I think uh, Mississippi State uh, – it, it's weird because over the past couple of weeks, the more I've kind of gotten to study Zach Arnett and Mississippi State, I, I, I think they're going to be better than what I had originally uh, maybe said at SEC Media Days. Um, I think they uh, have some, some quality uh, – Coach, I'm just going to restart. They have quality coaches and they have quality um, players, roster, whatever. Anyway. I agree completely. Yeah, right. I just got a big brain fart. Anyway. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Kentucky, uh, I think that's one of the last things that Mark Stoops kind of has to get off of his back is that SEC West um, road losing streak. And uh, I, I think they do it this year. Um, give me Kentucky uh, 31 to 20. It, in Knoxville uh, during the 2020 COVID season, Terry Wilson had a statement on his undershirt after Kentucky won that said records are made to be broken on his shirt, written in Sharpie. And that's damn sure what we're going to do in Starkville. I'm tired of going into that dump 
and having to stay an hour away and bus to the stadium for a noon kickoff. We always start slow. I think we go in there. Will Rogers, great quarterback, but going into a different system. They're not running the air raid. Um, it's it's going to be a big adjustment for them. And we've seen around college football, you know, quarterbacks who like to sling it around, try to shift into a pro-style offense. It doesn't work. Um, those guys have lots of bad tendencies, and I don't think it's going to work. Um, Zach Arnett, I think, is a defensive-minded coach, so I think the defense is going to be fine. But I expect a, a knockdown, drag-out fight, but I think Kentucky's going to win 17-13 on the road to get that money. Nice little win in Starkville. Is that what we're, we're predicting, boys? Um, I um, I don't know. When I think of Starkville, I just think of cowbells and nothing but football, and that's about it for miles and miles. Um, it's hard for me to go ahead and predict the win. I, I do feel like on paper we do have a better team, without a doubt in my mind. But at Starkville, at Mississippi State, changes things a little bit. Most years – on this game, when we're at Starkville, I have a question mark next to my prediction um, until I'm forced to make one. Uh, so I'm in the middle right now, but I, I guess I will, for podcast sakes, go with the prediction. Um, I think, you know, first, before I make my prediction, let's take a second, two, two quick seconds to honor um, the remembrance of Tom Leach. Um, he's just, you know, a big tribute to football, and everybody enjoyed him. But now back to reality, I think we do. I'm going with, I think we – get that first win of the SEC West win of the Stoops era. Uh, we are a bit better than Mississippi State. We've just got to go down there and win it. And I think if we can get past those cowbells and, and a hotel for being an hour away from the stadium, I think we can do it. And uh, I think we've got the team this year suit to do so. So let's go with the dub. Uh, I've got my prediction going at 31 to 14. <laughs> Trace, first of all, I have to stop you. Did you just say Tom Leach? Yes, he did. I'm <laughs> kidding. Oh my God! Did I see Tom Leach? Are you serious? I'm concerned. Mike Leach. I had Mike Leach's face in my head, but the name Tom. I didn't even know I said it. So I was Mike literally Leach. trying to find your contact to send you that screenshot of the stamp. Wait, did we just take two seconds for Tom Leach? <laughs> Listen, I'm consumed with this UK stuff. I apologize, Mike Leach. Um, that was a disgrace to your legacy. Let's take another two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, and I apologize. It won't happen again, Mike. Um, <laughs> I don't want to. You you might want to cut that out. <laughs> no, I think it's funny. Leave it. It's hilarious. It was pretty. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Tom Leach died. <laughs> hey, I'm a man, man that can hold myself accountable. Leave it. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you can. Man, I really wish you guys were a fly on the wall for that um, that podcast we had last season with Anna, because Brandon Uh-oh. told a story that I thought I was going to lose my mind. I thought I was. Oh my gosh, that was funny. But <laughs> um, yeah, about Mississippi State, I just uh, I hate Starkville. I hate everything about it. You know. Like, Don't you hate um, bloody feet too? Oh yeah, we're not gonna get into that. That was uh, so. Whoever whoever cut that tree outside of Mississippi State, um, and left the stump, and just like <laughs> decided it would be a good idea to leave it there for people to. Okay, that was we'll a horrible design. There. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, because nobody looks walking on concrete. You know what I mean? Um. Anyway, Zach Arnett. Um, 
I, I, I think that air raid system's over. I, I know that uh, Kevin Barbie is a big personnel guy, um, but I mean, how much personnel do they have from last season? You know, um, they're going to dictate whatever they want, whatever um, personnel they have. Um, I'm not too sure that team's going to be great on defense, you know, either. I mean, you had Arnett, the defensive coordinator last season. Um, it, it's kind of a Brad White situation, but I'm not exactly sure that Brad White, their new, or I'm sorry, Matt Brock, their new defensive coordinator is Brad White. Um, what are you laughing about, Braden? Brad White's, Brad White's on Mississippi State and Tom Lee's died. I just <laughs> what are we doing here? The bourbon, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink. Um, yeah, but um, but but yeah, I I, I don't think it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough down there. I do still expect that that stupid defense, the three three five, they run to um, to be to be an issue. But at the same time, I don't think that Mississippi State's going to be able to to deliver those dink and dunks that they've been able to. Um, play against Kentucky so well in the past couple of years. So that being said, I'm gonna say that Kentucky wins, but it's not gonna be a it's not gonna be a high score game. I'm gonna say 21-17. Um MVP for that game though, I do think is going to be Barry on Brown. I think he's gonna have this is gonna be one of those games it's kind of like that Lynn Bowden year in 2019 against Missouri, where you just need that punt return or kick return to um really, really kind of put yourself there in that game to win. Um, so, so yeah, that, that that's what I'm saying for that Mississippi State game. Um, but, I mean, okay, so, by the way, do you guys expect Barry on Brown to take back a couple of touchdowns this year? Like, is, is that something? Definitely. That, I mean, I'm not too sure if there are any teams that are going to want to kick to him. But if they do, man, <laughs> Trace, I just saw your tweet. <laughs> No, hey, Barryon Brown said, remember what he said last year? I was standing three inches in front of him. He was like, man, they won't kick it to me anymore. <laughs> he said, uh, they quit kicking me about sophomore year of high school, and now they won't kick it to me because they know I'll run it back. So if they ever give him that chance, yes, he is. I do believe he will run it back. Yeah, yeah. So as you all know, Kentucky comes to town. I'm sorry, Alabama comes to town um, to Kroger Field November 11th. Y'all, Alabama's fourth ranked in the country um, right now, which I think is the lowest they've been in a long time. I think uh, it's the lowest since 09. Is that right? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's that's correct. What a problem to have, man. Yeah. yeah poor Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Braden, what do you guys wh- – what's your take on that game? Uh – Obviously, I, I, I think the atmosphere will be um, one of, if not the best atmosphere that uh, there's been at Kroger Field, maybe ever, but definitely in the Mark Stoops era. Um, because based on my predictions, it'll be a one-loss Kentucky team uh, playing at home against Alabama. Um, and um, But unfortunately, I still think Alabama's Alabama. Uh, uh, I think uh, Jalen – uh, Milrow will end up winning the quarterback competition. And as we know, Kentucky tends to have issues with those uh, dual threat style quarterbacks. And um, I just think um, uh, that 
even though Alabama's kind of been overlooked coming into this season by some folks, I think they're going to be in contention for the SEC West and in, con- in contention for the uh, for the playoff. Whoa. And um, Whoa. which which I know that's a, all of a sudden a um, a bold take to, to make about Alabama, which that's interesting. But um, Brady but yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So, but I do think Kentucky plays a very close game with Alabama. I don't think this is a dominant Alabama team, um, but I do think that it's going to be a game that Alabama ultimately wins. Give me the Crimson Tide, twenty-seven to twenty-four. Ooh. Looking at where we play Alabama, you know, it's later on in the season. If we played them in where Vandy is in week four, I would pick Kentucky in this one, you know, at a 7.30 night game, you know, probably the biggest recruiting, you know, weekend, uh, packed out Kroger Field. I, I would lean UK early, but I, Nick Saban is the greatest coach in college football history for a reason. And Besides by, Clark Lee. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But by game 10, I think he's going to have some things figured out. I think um, I think uh, Ty Simpson, the freshman quarterback, will quarterback by then. Um, and I, I just think Alabama's going to be too much, and they're going to have it figured out by then, and they're going to be kind of gearing up for to take the SEC West. So I'm going to go with a loss. I'm going to go 37-26, kind of a weird score. But I think it's going to be, uh, be a close game until about – late third quarter, and I think Alabama's depth is really going to come into play. You know, I, I, I'm definitely going in this game. I think that's going to be the f- most fun uh, pregame and first half of the game. It's going to be the most fun one we've had in quite some time. We're going we're gonna to get up for Alabama. We're going to get excited, and minutes before, we're fully believing that we got a chance to beat them. But, I mean, listen to what you all just said. They're like, this. how many years has it been, and they're, they've not been out of the top five, like, this is Alabama. This is the top, the cream of the crop. Um, I do have us losing in this game. I think it's going to be a miserably cold night. Um, I can guarantee you one thing. The hot chocolate will be flowing, and Nick Saban's nipples will be hard. Um, but Spiked. He's going to get to know what that Kentucky weather is like. Um, being, being serious, um, we're gonna That's a clip. That's a clip. <laughs> We're going to walk out of that game. Uh, I think we're going to walk out of that game, you know, with the L, but I think we're going to keep it respectable, you know. I think we're going to go away from that game. Like, Kentucky should have lost that game, and they're going to, but it's like it's not going to be some destroyed blowout like you you would expect five years ago. So Nick Saban is going to go back to his – to his state and his hometown of of knowing that Kentucky is the real deal, and one of these years they'll catch him slipping. Yeah. Cats by ninety. I'm gonna say Kentucky wins. Um, Whoa! Yeah, yeah. That's my that's my. Well, Matt Sack got what he wanted. He wanted someone to pick Alabama or yeah, I mean pick Kentucky. I, I was dedicating that to Matt Sack. I think this is the point where Devin Leary um, can finally prove himself as a quarterback um, and say, you know what, I'm at the top of college football. This is my turn, and the the receivers can say the same. Um, as we know, and we talked about on the last episode, we don't know what we're going to get out of Alabama. Um, new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, um, just so many new quarterback. Like a guy that couldn't start at Notre Dame is 
behind that quarterback that they have is in consideration for starting at Alabama. So that's a situation that we've closely monitored even to this point is who's going to start there at, at QB. And that says a lot as we are um, – it is it is August 17th and Alabama doesn't have a starter yet. So with that being said, I mean, anything's possible. Um, it would not surprise me if that game is at least coming down to, you know, in the fourth quarter, Kentucky fans are up for it and they think that they had a possibility to win against Alabama. Um, I think you're drinking a lot of the Kool-Aid right now, Jordan. <laughs> no, I, I look, I predicted Kentucky to lose against Tennessee. I predicted them to lose against Georgia. Like, I, I think it'll be close against Florida. Like, I just think that Alabama's not going to be up to what they were. And like you said, Trace, Saban's nipples are going to be hard. (laughs) (laughs) And the hot chocolate will be flowing that night inside of (laughs) And I think that plays an advantage to to Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) You think that plays an advantage for Kentucky's nipples? Yeah, 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 I do, absolutely. <laughs> That's a first, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, South Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina. Hey, you had some South Carolina takes. I'm ready to hear them. Is this a, uh, what, what's he say, the climate or a culture? Uh, a culture versus climate. Which one is this? <laughs> Um, so South Carolina, first of all, I think at this point, we all know my, um, my dislike for Shane Beamer, um, you know, and it's a, it's, it's a culture versus climate game. And, um, you know, earlier in this podcast, I predicted Kentucky to beat Tennessee. And as we know, in a typical Mark Stoops, Kentucky team for every upset, there's a game on the schedule that you feel like you should win that they kind of let go. And as much as my heart hates to say it, I think that this is the game that Kentucky lets go. Um, I think South Carolina gets the win at home. And uh, we have to listen to another year of Shane Beamer talking about climate versus culture. Uh, I think uh, Spencer Rattler is, uh, without a doubt, one of the most talented uh, quarterbacks in the not only the SEC but the entire country. He was a Heisman favorite just a few years ago, and uh, now he's had a full year uh, back with Beamer. And uh, I just think um, that this is a game that South Carolina uh, circles every year now. And um, I, I think with I think Kentucky will be coming off of a very physical game against Alabama, and one that'll be close, and that'll be like a lot of uh, emotional drainage from that game, and then having to travel to Columbia for that game. Um, I just think there are some factors that are working against Kentucky. And uh, I I ultimately think that South Carolina wins this game. I'll take the Gamecocks uh, 31-27. to Now, um, speaking of Alabama, it's come to my attention that, Trace, you did not predict the score of the Kentucky-Alabama game. Yes, I have 45 to 28. Um, I guess I was so wrapped up around Nick Saban and his attire for the game that I did forget. <laughs> <laughs> I, forgot, 
Sorry, my mind was in other places, boys, but I got 45. I understand, like, why you'd be thinking about that instead. You know, we, you know, football gets me a little riled up at night, especially with it being at, you know, 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday. I'm all in, man. I'm, I'm a little riled up right now. Uh, so I got 45-28. Don't tell nobody, but I got us losing. Jacob? So for South Carolina, I know earlier when we were talking about Vandy, how if Mark Stoops loses the game the year prior, he, he, he wants to come and kick their ass the next year. He, he doesn't take it very lightly. I think this is that game. I think Kentucky's going to come off a, a hard-fought game against Alabama. They're going to come up short. They're going to be pissed off going into Columbia. That They, they want to win this game. That South Carolina wanted to make this game a rivalry after we whipped their tail for for almost eight years in a row. Um, but let's go down to Columbia and whip up on these boys and, and show them Shane Beamer isn't anything that Kentucky should be afraid of. Um, I, I mean, you look at Spencer Rattler. He, they fired their – or didn't fire, but they kind of took play calls away from their offensive coordinator last year, and he, he kind of got better towards the end of the year. But they kind of hired an offensive coordinator like Rich Gangarello, a guy who's who's been around, who, who's been in the NFL, and hasn't had a whole lot of success as offensive coordinator. Um, he was he was just at uh, Arkansas as a tight end coach, but uh, Logan is not is not a proven offensive coordinator anywhere he's been. Their offensive line is shaky. They lost arguably their best athlete in Jaheim Bell. They lost their RB one to Southern California, Marshawn Lloyd. There's holes on this roster. Um, I I think Kentucky's going to go down there, and I think they're going to be up maybe 28-17, and maybe uh, South Carolina scores a late touchdown with maybe five or six minutes to go, and Kentucky picks up a few first downs and, and, and milks the clock out. And I think Kentucky's going to win 28-24 on the road in Columbia. Jacob, you're a good man. Uh, Braden, we've got to talk. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't be more farther away uh, with the difference than what Braden had. Uh, Braden, own that this, bozo. Yes, <laughs> this is it, Jordan. I asked you which game you would choose that you'd win over the rest of the games. Well, if I think if I asked Mark Stoop, Mark Stoops, he would say it's South Carolina. So I know he's got this game circled, whether he will admit it or not, and he won't. Um, I think we do go down to Columbia. I mean, we've won three out of the last four times there, and the time that we didn't, we didn't have a quarterback. You know, if if you all may remember. That was the, the start of the Lynn Bowden, that quarterback era, late in the game. Um, that was a brutal one to be at. Um, but the Lynn Bowden era at quarterback started right then and there. And um, I've, got us, I've got us leaving with the win. And then after the win, uh, we're going to have a Mark Stoops sunglass picture float on the timeline. Um, we've got a 35-24 to 24 win in Columbia. And Dane, Dane Key is going to uh, forever be happy he chose the Cats over the um, Gamecocks. Sandstorm's going to be booming in the visitors' locker room afterwards. Yes, it yeah. is. Uh, yeah, yeah. That annoying chicken is going to be playing on every third down. <laughs> I guarantee and, you. Listen, I guarantee you. If we get the dub, Mark Stoops will have a pair of sunglasses on his face for the uh, all the locker room festivities. Absolutely. You know what? That would be a cool scene. It would kind of be like um, Stoops in the locker room against Missouri, um, punching the ceiling tile. <laughs> Like, just something that uh, hangs on and um, and and going into further seasons when it comes to, um, like, like, this whole thing is culture versus climate. Like, what is Kentucky at, you know? And um, 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I do think like you like you were saying, Jacob, like you were alluding to, like there's a lot of holes in that defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think with the way, you know, we've seen it, college football players in the at the end of November, they get banged up. And providing Devin Leary can stay healthy, I think this could be a point in which Kentucky can can capitalize on that in South Carolina. Um, that crowd is very, very intense. However, though, I think that Stoops has annually done a great job at, I guess biannually done a great job at being able to control that and keeping the team, keeping their mindset in the game and not letting the fans take over. Um, and, and that's just about any atmosphere. I mean, you can argue, I mean, Kentucky versus Tennessee last season was a little bit <laughs> on the opposite side of that argument. But um, I, I think if you look as a whole, Kentucky's played really well in those environments under Mark Stoops. Um, I'm going to say Kentucky wins. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 31 to 27. I think, I think it's going to be a very, I think it's going to be a fourth quarter game. And I think there's going to be, it's going to come down to, to whoever has the ball last. Um, however, though, a game that will not come down to ever to whoever has the ball last <laughs> is the Louisville game. Um, in in what is it? L and L. What, what's their stadium? L and N. Stadium. Yeah, L and N Credit Union. Okay, so Braden, those dirty birds. Um, and, and I want to make sure we get this right. Braden, what interstate do you have to take to get to Louisville if you're in Lexington? I-64. <laughs> Which direction? West. There you go. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Good job. I learned my interstates a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, anywho. <laughs> um, no, I mean, this has become one of my favorite cycles as a Kentucky fan. Every year in football, we hear about how Louisville is going to be improved, and uh, th- you know, this is the year Louisville is going to go back to beat Kentucky, blah blah blah. And then, and then the game finally gets there, and Kentucky proceeds to knock the socks off of Louisville. And frankly, this year, I don't see that being any different because, as we know, the SEC is top dog, and I mean, we have or Kentucky really outside of that Iowa game this past season has had a pretty good a record going against um, non-SEC Power 5 teams, which I know we don't play a lot of them, but you know what I mean. Um, but uh, in this game, uh, you know, Cardinal Stadium, L&N, Credit Union, whatever, Papa John, whatever you want to call it, um, is not a very intimidating environment. And uh, I, I anticipate a, a, a lot of blue in that stadium. And uh, I think this will be another one of those – uh, high-powered uh, offensive games where Liam Cohen really opens up the offense. And uh, we see a whole lot of Devin Leary. We see a whole lot of downfield passing. And we see a whole lot of uh, ass-whooping. So give me Kentucky. Give me Kentucky 49, Louisville 21. Braden, you brought up a really good point about Louisville every year. They, they talk about oh, we, we beat a couple teams and, you know, we're on a hot streak. We're coming into the game hot. And then Kentucky goes and blows them out of the water. Um, I'm looking at their schedule right now. 
in the final three games before Kentucky, they play Virginia Tech at home, who is miserable. Virginia at home, who is miserable. And then they go down to Miami on the road, who Miami got, what they get, like 35-piece by Middle Tennessee State in their home <laughs> field last year. So, I mean, that's three games they're probably going to win, and they're going to be riding high into that game. The talk on Twitter is going to be going crazy. Kentucky's going to go down there and stomp them into the turf. Yeah, I mean, turf, J- by the way. sorry, Jacob. Uh, I was, Jacob, you're right. I mean, there's a, there's a very real possibility that Louisville's a one- or two-loss team and ranked in the top 20 or even maybe top 15 heading into that game. You're 100% right. But, I mean, just based on the quality of opponent, I think Kentucky – uh, just has a lot more going for him. And so right. th- that'll be a good uh, resume builder for like a potential uh, bowl game, New Year's Six bowl game. Right, absolutely. And, and I mean, you just think about it. Louisville plays – No, they, they miss Florida State. They miss Clemson. Probably their best team that they're going to play this year is probably NC State or Notre Dame. And Kentucky's going to be, you know, grinding away – games first Tennessee Alabama Georgia South Carolina on the road and then you know Louisville's going to get to talking and Kentucky's going to come into town and show why the SEC is so much better than the ACC because Louisville I'm going to assume is going to be probably the third or fourth best team in the conference at this point and Kentucky's going to come in and punch them straight in the mouth Louisville fans still think just because Brahms there something's going to change overnight I'm not a big fan fan of Jack Plummer. Louisville fans are holding on to one stat line that he had against Southern California last year after Cal got pounded by them. They're holding on to him throwing for 300-something yards. The guy's not good. He's going to be their starting quarterback. They lost some pieces on defense. One to an injury. One of their safeties is out for the year. I I, I just don't see it. I I think Kentucky's going to go into LNN Stadium and and win 35-17 and kind of Kind of put uh, Louisville's Louisville fans' foot in their mouth a little bit after talking about Brom. I, I do think this game. I do think it's going to be closer than one would think. Um, do I predict them to lose it all? Hell no. We've won four in a row versus them, uh, so I do expect us to go own the city of Louisville like we always do. Uh, but I do think that you know, with Brom being back, I do expect this team to be a little bit better, not insanely better. Where like they're a threat, I still think they are a little brother. Um, so I think I have us winning 38 to 18, pretty comfortable, but maybe letting a couple of touchdowns slip up by Louisville, um, they, letting them think they have a chance, but in reality, we're not in any, you know, within a couple of touchdowns of their whole game. Um, I think this will be a big passing game for Leary. Uh, I don't think we got a quarterback to go jump over anyone this year, but I think he's going to put up a y- lot of yards this game. And I think we're going to go take over the city of Louisville again. Um, I got us winning by 20. Yeah, cats by ninety. Um, I'm gonna say Kentucky wins forty-five to fourteen. I think it's gonna be another beatdown, and that's all I got. Uh, I'm down with the beatdown. Um, it's, it's it never gets old beating Louisville. This will be the fifth win in a row. Uh, I'd love to total up that score to see what you know what they've been combined, but I know it's something insane. Uh, so I, I'm down for a beatdown. It's always okay, great so to go big blue chance on TV at like late fourth quarter when all their fans are home and you can hear it through the TV. It's awesome. 
On a scale yeah. from one to ten, how hard will Jeff Brom's nipples be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think with his age and how long, how late that is into the season, a lot of his energy is going to be dying out. I put him at a about a six and a half, <laughs> middle of the road hard. Um, not as not as as hard as they would be if he came into maybe Lexington in the fifth game of the year. <laughs> Did Jeff Brom win those games? I don't think so. Is he going to win this game? I don't think so. Wow, oh, man. <laughs> well, with that being said, boys, it's, this has been one hell of a recording. Um, <laughs> there's been a lot of things said. And I'm gonna have to go back and edit a lot of this, probably. No, you're not. And just <laughs> you're not gonna I edit the... a second of it. <laughs> well, there was that one part that I'm gonna have to edit out of you, Braden. But oh, with that, yeah. with that being said, <laughs> I think uh, you know somebody had to just cut out of our podcast. But um, that being said, I think I think that's everything we wanted to discuss, right? Um, I have just a couple takeaways. Uh, Trace, you and I attended, and Tim, our photographer, attended um, the fan day and was there for the media portion of everything and, and, and got an up-close view of practice. Isaiah Cummings seemed to be the big takeaway going into the season. He and um, and Anthony Brown just seemed to be the stars. Of course, Barry on Brown didn't participate. He had a soft tissue injury, uh, kept him out of just a couple of days, not anything that's going to be serious. And he's practicing again. He's back to the scrimmages. Um, he scrimmaged last weekend um, in that um, thunderstorm that happened at Kroger Field. I had to walk in the rain into the Joe Craft football facility, and that was fun. But um, nothing to worry about there. But, Trace, what did you make of the scrimmage? I mean, did anything stick out to you as far as um, – Depth. My main thing was the fact that uh, Flax and Ford were both splitting reps with the um, with the starters, with the ones, and that kind of concerned me. Just the fact that they still, you know, they bring in Cortland Ford. Maybe that suggests that he may not be as advertised. Um, that's my main takeaway. But Trace, did you have anything like that? Yeah, I tend to be someone that watches more of the offense, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, so I was locked on the offense most of the time. And uh, this isn't, I guess, necessarily my biggest takeaway, but one of my takeaways is that Liam Cohen was all up in all of those players, chewing them out. Like, he was so livid. But I think in more of like a coach, obviously a coaching way, I don't think he was disappointed in what they were doing. He just was very hard on them because I guess they have high expectations this year. Uh, but I, I just, my take, I guess my biggest takeaway of the offense if I had to pick a side was that we have a lot of options you know I'm very confident in our running backs our wide receiver um, our quarterbacks um, got to see all of them go out there and even the backups have their reps and um, a lot of a lot of solid passes right into their hands um, even our backup quarterbacks um, Kaya Sharon is that how you say his name he, he looked pretty yeah. solid I know he won't get a lot of field time this year but I just feel like I guess my takeaway is our offense has a lot of depth um, and that's really exciting I, I like a high-powered offense and um you know, that was probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah, yeah. And um, you're right. Danky had that amazing catch. I love the back and forth between Max Harrison and Danky. Um, and I think that's something that you don't ex- exactly expect because the fans there were not expecting that at all. But if you've been up close to a practice um, 
you begin to realize that teams that go back and forth and chirp at each other are usually the most competitive and it shows on the field in Saturdays in the fall. Um, and for those listening that aren't exactly sure what happened, um, we can, I, I guess my best way of explaining it is that, you know, Max said that he was going to cover them all day and lock them up and, Dane was he went they went back and forth for a little bit and a player happened to say some profane words at another player and Stoops put an end to it quick. Um was ready to kick a certain player out of practice, I think, at that moment. <laughs> so um for the fans that were there, it, it's definitely something that you don't get to see day to day or you don't hear about because all you see is this team unified on Saturdays in the fall. But um, pretty exciting stuff, I think. I mean, like like I said, you don't want your team to not be competitive. And I, I think at the end of the day, their family, their brothers, it's going to happen on the football field. It's a physical game. That's what happens in football. But, um, yeah, that was my biggest takeaway, man. Um, Larry had some pretty impressive balls. He just does such a great job at being able to escape, um, being able to – he, he, he's creative in the way he releases the ball. He's going to be able to do a lot of insane things that may not be the, the, the same kind of arm strength, but just has that ability to make, make plays with his brain. And, and I think rather than rely on his strength and relying on his arm when he even, because we saw a lot with Will Levis, he would, he would kind of wait and rely on his strength and just, and sometimes that, that, that caused him some trouble, but, um, y'all, I think, I think next time we talk to the, to the, to the listeners of the podcast, it's going to be leading up to that first game against ball state. So that being said, I know it's been a very long podcast, of course, joined by Matt Sack, Trace Terrell, and then the usuals, Braden Eviews and Jacob, Jacob Childers. Um, but with that being said, I think, I think that's everything I want to discuss. I think, so, I think oh. you have to go over the records real quick overall that you were tallying them up. You know what? I gave up about a third of the okay. way in. That's fine. That's fine. So well, I was nine and three. I'm three. glad you wanted to share that. So You're welcome. We'll have yeah. also have an article out about it too. I don't know mine off the top of my head either, to be honest with you. I think I'm right around nine and three as well. Yeah. Don't yeah. hold me to it, though. I've got to total them up. <laughs> so, yeah, I had um, – I had Kentucky uh, – I had Kentucky 9-3. South Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia. You think Kentucky would beat South Carolina? Did I? Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, Braden I tried was to... the one that picked the loss. Yeah. I was the only one to pick the loss. But, but I had Kentucky 10-2. Right, I think so. The ten and two train, Jordan. Yeah, Sack and I are the only ones. I I predict the ten and two too. Two two. Okay. Well, that's that. All right. We'll we'll see what happens. So I'm the pessimist. Hey, I got nine and three as well. Me and Braden, Braden, we've we've agreed on something. Being pessimistic, I'm the pessimist. Trace, Trace, what are your takes on the Kentucky offensive line? 
my takes on the Kentucky offensive line. That them boys are big and they're <laughs> built for the SEC. And Louisville is going to find out in that very last game because this is SEC football. And Jagger Burton's coming for your ass. Oh, that's another thing I want to discuss. I talked to uh, Devin Leary, and Jagger, Jagger Burton coming for your ass. Is that what you just said? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So I talked to uh, I talked to Devin Leary, and he was just talking about how. Not only is 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 Jagger getting more comfortable in just getting his body up, because I think that was that was a huge issue trans transition in him and at center, but his ability to just stay in front of a guy is increased as well. Um, so moving some guys back to their natural positions, I think, is going to be huge for that offensive line. Um, and and I was talking to a friend the other day, and I, I do think that right tackle position might still be an area of concern. But as crazy as it is for me to say, I do trust Zach Yenter in that situation too to to be able to correct that, um, just given his pedigree in the NFL. But um, that being said, y'all, I think that might be that might be everything I want to discuss. So thank y'all so much for coming on, and thank the listeners for for tuning in. Until next time. We are out of here.